Recording. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sweet. So, welcome to Lost in the Lockdown again. We are back and we are looking today, still at season two, but we're on episode four, Everybody Hates Hugo. So, this is a Hurley centric episode um, and a popular one of Scott's, I believe, mm -hmm. i.e., his favorite. <laughs> it is. So, we might get a bit of. Um, loving on this episode so before we go anywhere scott trivia okay uh this was the 29th episode overall um aired on the 12th of october 2005 uh yeah it probably is my favorite episode of the show <clears throat> of the entire show not through any sort of uh i don't know not not just a story or like the, the the way the you know the characters develop in it, it's just I just really like how Hurley's played out in the episode. But that's just it's purely from like a flashback perspective. But we'll talk about it obviously. Um, this was written by oh sorry viewership twenty one point seven million viewers. Uh, so I think slight drop from the last one. Written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, who I think were the Once Upon a Time guys. Am I right? That's that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was actually directed by Alan Taylor, who we Ooh. surely will know from his t TV work in America, um, Game of Thrones, Sopranos, and of course Terminator, Genesis, and Thor: The Dark World, which were very <sighs> well regarded <laughs> franchise. I don't movies. know which one's worse. I don't know which one's worse. I, don't, I can't. Oh, it's, ter it's, it's Terminator. Oh really? yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say probably Terminator. Oh. <laughs> well, actually, I, I don't mind either of those films if I'm honest. <laughs> I, but I think Terminator edges it. I th I think Thor: The Dark World edges it. I just <laughs> do you know? I mean, reflecting very quickly on it, like it, I think like the opening thirty minutes of Terminator isn't too bad. It's quite a cool recreation of it, the original and the sequel, if I remember right. You're actually, I think, the opening ten minutes of Terminator Genesis is genuinely good. It, it yes. just all falls apart after the things happen, basically. You mean after they spoil it in the trailer? <laughs> well, no, after basically Matt Smith puts his hand on his face and it's like... Uh, oh, God, yeah, he's Skynet, isn't he? <laughs> human Skynet. Oh, yeah. Hu human Skynet, yeah. Oh, God. Maybe I've, I, maybe I've just blocked all that out because I can... Yeah, I didn't remember any of that. <laughs> it's as soon as Scott just said Matt Smith and I was like it just had like, yeah. like a flashback slapping me in the face it's horrible oh moment. god yeah it was a bad film that bad um, film. He, he also did some Boardwalk Empire though I believe uh, Alan he did Taylor. I think uh, I think he also did West Wing I, I, he basically did like, all the big shows of the last 15 years he's like very prolific um I don't know if you knew, but he's actually directing, or he's directed, a prequel to Sopranos, a movie called Many Saints of Newark. I've I've heard about this. Isn't that where Gandolfini's son's playing him? Or playing Tony, but younger Tony. Exactly, yeah. So his son, Michael, yeah. is playing the younger um, Tony Soprano. Um, Ooh. And we've also got, I think, your boy, what's he called? Come on, <laughs> help me out. I don't know. We need a bit more than that. Oh, Shane from Walking Dead. What's he called? Rob. Uh, Bob. Uh, oh, John. John Bernthal. I was going to say Robert Bernthal, but my friend's called Robert Bernthal. Um, <laughs> Punisher. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he's. I think he's playing like his 
dad, maybe, or his uncle. He's playing a he's playing a, a soprano. Um, okay. So that, that's coming out next year, I think. Um, Sound. So yeah, uh, while while we have got you boys. Um, <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Uh, it's it's time again for another game of uh, how old is that rapper? Um, unfortunately, we're gonna have to do the um, the backup again. Um, okay. So I am sending you boys a rapper of a <laughs> <laughs> of a chocolate so. bar um, <laughs> on the chat. Mm-hmm. So. Oh yep. Got it. Oh, yeah, here we so we what have a it's, a, it's a wrapper for a chocolate bar called Free Chubbies. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds, okay, okay. So, um, I could, I could <coughs> excuse me, sorry, it did, I was laughing at this for about 25 minutes when I found it. Yeah, um, um, <laughs> so if, just for, just for listeners, um, it's a, I believe it's like, um, uh, like a, a coconut um, candy with like chocolate on the outside, um, but yeah, I just I'm gonna ask you. I'm not gonna ask you when it was when what year this was from, but I couldn't pin that down. But I've got decade choices. So, is this from <laughs> the 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s? Well, my I- original thought was 50s. Mine was the sixties. When nearly then, I didn't think you were going to say sixties, so I was. <laughs> I'm going with my gut. Okay. Oh, some surprising choices there. You're both wrong. Yes. Ah. <laughs> so I win this week for a change. <laughs> uh, this was actually from the forties. Oh, okay. But it and was obviously... it was produced in the fifties as well. So um, I guess you could. I uh, could probably say. Yeah. I could give you half a point. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm way off. I'm all right <laughs> losing this one. I've, I've looked my way through most of these. I just can't believe someone would. Well, I guess in the forties they wouldn't see that as a funny joke, but I just can't believe someone called chocolate bar that. <laughs> there, there were some other like more risque named bars. I think there was like, I don't, oh, no, actually I won't repeat them because this is like, yeah, it's just you'd just be laughing it all day. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll never get through it. No, but yeah, but that's 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 your that's your game for the week. So hey. <laughs> better luck next time. <laughs> Wicked. Thank you very much, Scott and John. Guest appearances or any notable people? Yeah, uh, this episode has um, an actor who pops up in everything, as most of these guys seem to do. Um, but he's a he's a very sort of recognizable face. Um, in this episode, he plays Hardy's best friend. Who works at the the chicken? What is it? What's the chicken place called? Is it? It's the Chicken Shack. Oh, my! I only watched no, it Mr. the other day Mr. again. Mister Clucks, is it Mister Clucks? Mister Clucks, yeah. Mister Clucks, yeah. yeah. Have a cluckety cluck cluck day, Hugo. Um, <laughs> so the actor is called uh, DJ Qualls or Qualls. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, um, but he's it, been in loads of things. The thing I mm-hmm. recognise him from most is um, Road Trip, which was actually his first film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, He's, he's sort of recognised. He's a big, tall, skinny, lanky, gawky-looking guy, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, I know him from Supernatural. Well, that's what I was going to say, yeah. He, he has yeah. A, a recurring role in Supernatural. Um, but he also seems to have been in uh, 30-odd episodes of The Man in the High Castle, which I haven't watched. Uh, hmm. 
but so it's a fairly substantial part as well. And he's also in thirty three episodes of something called Z Nation or Z Nation, which I imagine is a zombie show from the looks of the the poster here. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it looks like a, a a regular in both of those shows. I remember from Breaking Bad an episode where he he's oh yes he's the undercover cop when Badger gets busted. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. and he looks like a druggie because yeah. he's like gawky and <laughs> yeah. gaunt. Yeah, and it's just the, the yeah the comedy timing of that is brilliant. Yeah, is it, that's is it, isn't like, that the uh, best? If, you, if you're a, if you're a cop, you have to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, it's the Better Call Saul episode, isn't it? Is it? Is it? Oh, yes. oh, sure the first appearance uh, of him is it? Is it that one? Yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's the first one of Saul as well. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that's just yeah. He's great, and I think he's also <laughs> in. Let me think. Oh, it might be something like Daredevil or something. No, no, it's not. It's not that. It's not that. It's something else. But I'll, I'll probably remember in a minute. But yeah, he's literally in everything. He's got a very recognisable, not just yeah. not just face, just like body. It's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just the body. Um, I'm just ha- I'm just having a quick look through here to see what else he would be in. He's in The Core from 2003. Oh wow, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Uh, the cause, name? well, like an art from the for the band. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's gone downhill. The beautiful, <laughs> the beautiful, beautiful cause. The lovely, lovely cause. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm just having a look as well. Apparently, he had a cameo in Boys by Britney Spears, the music video. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. um, what I seem to remember him from, because I was the emo kid and still am, but he was in the music video for "I'm Just a Kid" by Simple Plan. I don't know what that is. Is that, are they no, like an emo band or a... Simple Simple Plan were like a pop punk band. Oh, okay. Oh, like your, day. like your New Found Glories or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, they were more just pop. They weren't, didn't have the hardcore punk stuff. But yeah, kind of like New Found Glory. Okay. That's going to bother me now about this DJ Quells guy. Quells. He's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's played like a cop in something, like an actual cop. Not like an undercover cop. And it wasn't like CSI or something. One of those kind of things. No, it was something very recent. My, uh... Far- Fargo? Was he in Fargo? You know, it might have been Fargo. It might have been season two of Fargo. Or even three. Definitely not one. <laughs> oh, I have to do some homework on this guy. You're right, he is He is in Fargo. He's been, been in two episodes of Fargo. Oh, yes, that's no, it was, it was season three. I think he plays one of the criminal guys. I think he plays one of the criminal guys in the masks. Ah, uh, right. okay. He's, uh, I think he's caught with one of um, <coughs> David Feudis's lackeys in it, if you've seen Fargo 3. I haven't seen Fargo 3, I've only seen 1 and 2. Ah, oh, 3 is very good. If you can get past the whole. Well, I got past that I hate Mary Elizabeth Winstead, so you should be able to get past it. <laughs> well, it's fine because I love her, so it doesn't yeah, bother me. <laughs> You're fine then. That went on a bit of a segue. Is there any more, John? Mm. Uh, no, um, uh, not, not in this episode. Do you have Hurley's uh, mum? But I think we spoke about her before. I can't remember. Uh, I, I, Carmen, I Carmen Reyes. There was there was someone else in the episode. I thought John would have picked it up. Um, oh, uh, 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 Starla, who is uh, Hurley's friend from his flashbacks, she's played by mm-hmm. Marguerite Moreau, who was also in the Mighty Ducks, the three Mighty Ducks films. <gasps> I, oh, really? I, yes. She played Connie. I, I only pick up because I had a big crush on 
the Connie character from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> so when I rewatched this, I was like, I recognise her. So I checked it out. I was like, oh yes, I remember you. <laughs> and she's and looking I quite lovely those in this films episode. In ages. Yeah. They might be on Disney Plus, you know. They are. Ooh. <laughs> they are on there. Ooh. Wicked. I know what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you very much. So, without further ado, we will dive headfirst into it. So, as we've said, it's a Hurley episode. Um, we all love Hurley, despite what the title may say or suggest. Hmm. We don't. We don't hate him. Um, but again, like I watched this again last week. I want to say no, started this week. Sorry, um, or maybe Sunday. I can't. I've lost track of days now. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> I just don't know where I am anymore. But these are the flashbacks that reveal um, he get, he basically gets put in charge as we'll get into it, but in charge of the food distribution um, from the uh, pantry of the hatch, which I think, as we've briefly mentioned before, just is like full of goods, full of goods yeah. that it's never ending and it's it never becomes a problem ever again in the show. Whether you want to view that as a plot hole or not is entirely up to you, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's it's one of them things. So they kind of reveal why he's hesitant in taking this new role. Um, and a few other things as well, especially surrounding his what he considers to be his bad luck, as we know, on the island with the numbers and various other things. So it starts with him discovering that he's won the lottery. Um, is that yeah, when he's the, just sat uh, eating sort of... his bucket of chicken? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, a slightly longer version of a scene we've already seen. Yeah, that's um, correct. Yeah, yeah, we see his, we see his mum come in and be like, "You got to turn your life around," that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, even though I, it, he doesn't tell her he's won at this point, sure he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he keeps it no, secret. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course he does. That's the whole point of the flashbacks. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was quite funny. Um, I just I quite like the actress that that plays Hurley's uh, Hurley's mum. It's just a very sort of stereotypical um, character, but it it is quite fun. Uh, just the uh, the overbearing mother character. It it work, I think it, you're right. It works within the context of what the tra- the writers are trying to say. Just because you don't really view Hurley as not such a not as a, a lamp, you know, he doesn't lay about or anything. You know what he's like on the island, but he's obviously mm. just. Um, lost his way i guess in you know in his past life and he's just working at this fast food restaurant and Mm. it's just obviously ironic that she says you need to turn your life around as he's winning the lottery i think quits his job is yeah the next scene where his boss is is telling off for for skimming some food uh that's right hurley just just up and quits which is great it's a great wee just fuck you moment uh for hurley as well um, because I didn't know this until I was I was checking out the the uh, the trivia, but Hurley's manager is also Locke's manager. From the oh really, yeah. Uh, in Walkabout, the one that makes fun of Locke is also is the same guy. Wow, uh, he's called Randy. Jesus, I did not so, even notice that. Yeah, so he's both both Locke's, Locke's boss and Hurley's boss at two different jobs. Lindelof. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a nice wee, nice wee thing. That's uh, amazing. This, Never this, noticed that. Yeah. Was the Brian thing? Do you remember the Brian thing from weeks ago, months ago? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Is that deliberate? Because they're two Brian's in the same episode. They weren't the same actor, were they? They're definitely different Brian's. No. <laughs> okay, just two two different Brian's. This is definitely the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I can't believe that. I've never ever noticed that. That's cool. Mm. And he's he's a he's a jerk in, in both flashbacks. <laughs> he stays in character. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he does. I don't remember if the character ever sort of gets his comeuppance at all, but uh, I hope he does. Uh, well, he kind of does, doesn't he? Now. In the episode, does he get? Well, Hurdy has some measure of revenge against him, doesn't he? But it's not like anything that he's going to get arrested for. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the. The uh, cluck you. The cluck you, that's it, yeah. <laughs> I've just, sorry, to I've just had a look at this character's name, sorry to steal it a bit, but so he's called Randy Nations, <laughs> um, which is, a, it's, it's a hilarious name. However, the trivia for it apparently is that his name's meant to be a reference to the big bad of Stephen King, if you for anyone listening and for you guys, obviously it's Randall Flagg, the man in black in oh, yeah. all of Stephen King. Yeah. Rand obviously Randy is short for Randall, mm-hmm. but then Flag um Nations flags. Nations flags, yeah. Oh, how on the nose is that? <laughs> I don't I just Yeah. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean so by that token he must I can't remember being that significant. Even in the no. flashbacks, to a degree, he's not. Well, clearly he must be because John's discovered this thing about him being the same guy. Who's... Maybe someone else is bossing mm. it. He must pop up somewhere else as well. <laughs> I mean, may- maybe it's just one of those little Easter egg moments. Like, I mean, I've like, yeah, I've said numerous times. I've watched this so many times, and I've never noticed that. That's something. <laughs> I'm just realizing on like my fifth rewatch. So. <laughs> But yeah, maybe it's just a, a neat little reference and maybe it's only Locke and Hurley that he knows out of the main ones. I don't know, but... Very good, very yeah, good. that is a neat little reference. I love that. Ah. Well, he, he quits alongside his friend who we've discussed at length. Mr. Mr. DJ. Mr. Johnny, yeah. He's called Johnny in this. Um, They pull a prank on Randall. <laughs> the big bad. Um, although I can't remember what the pr- I've written it down in my notes that they pull a prank, but I didn't put what the prank was. I've forgotten. Well, it's, it's it's the the cluck you in his garden. Oh, the cluck you, of course. That's right. Sorry. Um, um, and then they go to the record store, and he asks Hurley asks out his crush, who we have discussed, the lady from the Mighty mm-hmm. Ducks, Starla. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says yes. So and she says yes. Hurley's kind of on a yeah. high. He's on a big high. You big would high. be, wouldn't you? Well, they're listening in the record store. Listen to uh, Drive Shaft. Yes, and Drive Shaft. Yeah, Mister Johnny um, makes the very smutty, but I did chuckle at this. He calls them <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Suck Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! How how rude! Drive Shaft and great. <laughs> It's weird how, like, I don't think Charlie and Hurley have discussed his career. Like, Hurley hasn't said, oh, yeah, I know you, dude. I know your band. I used to listen to you at the stores and stuff. And, you know, it seems like it maybe just kind of popped it on. It was on, like, the, um, you know, it was like little sample player you get in the, you used to get in HMV and that. You put on the, yeah. an album. Maybe it's just like you just kind of listen to them because they were there. 
but I just like the fact they call them suck shafts. So clearly, they're not very suck well regarded. <laughs> no, suck, suck shafts good. <laughs> I do think they do discuss it eventually, though, don't they? Further on into the show, that he was in drive shaft. Although there is a finite amount of time for that. So <laughs> anyway, suck shaft. How rude. Um, <laughs> but they make a promise to one another, or at least Hurley asks that they'd never change. Um, yeah. And they ag- they agree to that basically. Yeah, because I think at this stage Hurley's Hurley is on a bit of a high, um, you know, with with the prank on the boss and asking um, Starla, mm-hmm. is it Starla? Starla asking yeah. her out. Um, but also, <laughs> uh, Johnny Johnny quit his job because he thought Hurley was just quitting his job because the, his boss was an asshole. But it, Hurley obviously has the money, you know, so he could. He can comfortably quit his job, so I think Hurley's feeling a wee bit of guilt here already. Yeah, um, you know, promise, promise things will never change, even though they quite clearly have, and you've just quit your job because, well, yeah, and even though he's, he's made this promise at some point, he's going to find out that he's a millionaire. Yeah, mm. I did. I did wonder if, like, we got to see the date, and then Starla says to like Hurley, "Do you mind if I go back to the car? Because I feel like changing weeks." <laughs> did that land? <laughs> it did. Okay, <laughs> we got you. We got you. <laughs> I like it. It's a very uncommon um, name. So <laughs> it is. A, yeah, it is a very uncommon name. That's my only frame of reference for that name. So <laughs> no, it's a good one. Things. It's a good one. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, it's fine. It's all about having fun on these things. Um, so they go to. I think they go to get beer at like a, a petrol station or a gas station, as we should say, for the Americans. Um, and there's news crews hanging around talking to the attendant. Um, and this is really the the crux, I guess, of all It's quite a short set of flashbacks, really. But um, the clerk points out Hurley as the winning lottery winner. How did I know? This is what confused me actually about rewatching it. I thought this too. <laughs> yeah. How do they know? You give them the numbers, they don't have like a record, do they? Who's got what numbers? So unless mm. her, the only thing you can think is that Hurley's been in since, or but then he'd surely be hounded. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they do though. Maybe they know like what machine, whoever used it, uh, like who, what machine had the winning numbers? Maybe because they must. I don't know how they work, but. Maybe they record them somehow. Everything's recorded these days. Your lottery numbers are probably recorded too. <laughs> That's a good point. But yeah, Johnny's very uh, clearly stunned by this revelation because, as you've already said, John, you know, despite the promise, everything has indeed changed. Yeah. it's. It, I thought it was a very strange flashback. Like, I don't really get why he's so upset. Well, I mean, I, I, I understand what the episode's trying to do, but at the same time... Would you not be happy for your friend? You know, even if you yeah. did quit your job. Um, Maybe because he didn't tell him straight away. And that's what I got from yeah. that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. And really, when Hurley said, oh, promise we don't change, you know, no matter what happens, things won't change. And, mm. um, you know, Johnny he says, yeah. He promised him knowing it was changing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you got... <sighs> a, the difficult thing that I've... I think people might have in this episode is that you really have to kind of read between a lot of lines in the episode, mm. which is probably why I like it so much. There's a lot of subtext going on, um, and then like linking it to the island stuff, 
some of it can be quite far away. But I find if you if you kind of really do sort of listen, well, not not you know trying to ten people suck eggs or anything like that, but if you kind of listen to <laughs> the way you know Hurley's is with people on the island as well as how he is in the flashbacks, you do find a lot mm. of subtext in there. But that's just that's just mm-hmm. me anyway. But no, I I know what you mean. I think it for me it's. Um... I also thought it was a tad odd, but I get, like you say, what John was saying. It, I know what it's trying to do, and it's again for me, it's a bit of an A to B thing. It's oh, not definitely. as it's a, it's not as a negative as some of the other ones we've discussed. Not at all. It, it it's there for a reason, and it just it pulls you along where it needs to pull you along. Yeah. And but other than that, that's about it. I think the the juiciest stuff is very much on the island. It is probably. As a, it is more as a buffer to what's going on, on the island. That's the main story. Exactly. It's not there yeah. to kind of give this wide sort of detailed backstory to the character because we kind of, no. we kind of get that with Hurley. Uh, we had that in numbers, didn't we? And um, we did in the other flashbacks as well. So, mm-hmm. which then brings us to the on island events. And as I've mentioned already, it kind of begins. He's in the Swan Station. Oh well, he's in the hatch, but we, I don't think we know it to be the Swan at this moment. Or Oh wait, we might do actually. Okay, orientation. orientation. Mm-hmm. Apologies, mm-hmm. last week's episode orientation told us that. So we're in the Swan Station, and we we know he's struggling with the task of food rationing. Um, Charlie comes along and asks if the bunker's got any food in, and he wanting his peanut butter. I always like this moment because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Claire wants some. Uh, Hurley, but Hurley doesn't answer him. Um, I just think you can tell straight away, can't you? This is a struggle for him, and it's obviously to do with the trust issue. I guess the whole, I guess the point of the flashbacks is to show that, in his mind, people's trust in him uh, sours quickly, dependent yeah. on various mm. situations. So by not, he doesn't want to say yes or no to Charlie just because he don't want to be hated, <laughs> which I think is a universal thing in everybody. You Big don't want time. to be disliked. Yeah. And Charlie's very cunty here. He, uh, um, yes. he, def- he definitely yeah. has cunty moments throughout the season, but he's he's starting to get very cunty. He was like with the Claire thing and the baby um, at the end of last season when Russo did the runner. He was a bit shitty to people then, um, mm. demanding that he went with with Saeed. Um and yeah, now it's kind of like, and I think there's a moment in this episode where Charlie speaks to Locke, and he's a, and he's kind of a bit of an arsehole to Locke as well. He kind of wants to be involved. He doesn't want to be on the outside of everything. He feels like he sh- he deserves to know what's going on. Um, yeah, that's just that's just kind of like yeah. And I think going forward in this season, we 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 know Charlie definitely becomes an ultimate twat he does <laughs> for, for lack of for lack of a better word very much um, he 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 goes to dark places um but we'll get there like we say that seems to be the running thing on this show we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there um uh so yeah he there's a bit of tension already between now charlie and Haley, which obviously Haley won't want and i guess he in his mind it's a potential precursor to everybody asking him for crisps or whatever you may want so he he enlists rose ever thoughtful and lovely rose to help him take the inventory which is a very respectable and good idea 
but then there's a very weird <laughs> there's a very weird point that I absolutely love because this is very standard lost uh, but obviously when you were watching this for the first time you were like eh and it's the bit where he has a very weird dream where Jin appears to him and in English tells him that everything's going to change <laughs> yes I absolutely love this yeah. This and the, the, yeah, the chickens there. <laughs> yeah, the chicken. Is this at the this yeah. is at the start of the episode, isn't it? I think. Or is it like Yeah, yeah that's the first that's the first leg of the episode, yeah. And Hurley's... apologies, I've written it down back to back. Backwards, sorry. I'll I think I'll put a note here. Oh yeah, here it is. Um Hurley's Hurley's raiding the storeroom. Um he opens up a, a assembled dinner in a plate from a box. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, okay. That's basically it. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. He, there was a yeah. I think there's a part where, or like a, a quick cut of him opening the box up, and there's a like a a dinner with like vegetables and potatoes and everything. It's all like laid out perfectly, and this just comes out straight from the box. Incredible. <laughs> the future. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Dharma future. Uh, oh, yeah, God. in that um, that opening scene as well. I don't know if you noticed. Hurley drinks from like a, like a milk carton or a juice carton, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know the way they have. I I've never seen this over here, but in uh, America, I as far as I know from TV, they had missing like missing people on the side. Walt That's right. is, is on the the missing. Uh, <laughs> Walt's on the milk carton as the missing child. That's brilliant. Which is very good. Brilliant. Did not even notice that either. Wow, this is full <laughs> of Easter eggs. You call yourself a fan. Oh. I know, right? I'm I'm like the guy that was there all the time on the message boards. What does this mean? Yeah, That's I missed that. That's very clever, very good. It is, it is. But yeah. But yeah, I... Locke, uh, or not Locke, um, Hurley gets sort of woken up from his strange dream uh, by, I think, the, the sound of the alarm going off. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's he sort right. of resigned, resigned to his fate. He's like, "Yeah, I know the numbers," um, mm-hmm. and, and all of a sudden he has a he has a job to do, which is the worst thing possible on this on this island. Like having having to do shift work. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess actually, when I think about it, like in the broader scheme of where we're at, we're on episode four now. Obviously, we can. We can perhaps call the first three a loose trilogy of episodes in a way, because the, mm-hmm. you know, the spanning the same amount of time and with all these interwoven stories. So now we're really kind of, I won't say relaxed, but we've we've relaxed almost into this new way of things. Yeah, I think um, that's definitely it. Yeah, and you know, now we're we're setting off. We know that this storyline is that the hatch stuff is definitely going to keep coming about. But now we're getting back to what we loved about the first season, which is all the people. But yeah, I think you're right. It's funny that, you know, he's having these weird daydreams, but it's just shift work now. It's like he's back again. And I guess that kind of links into his flashback. That's what he never wanted in his job. That's why he quit, other than getting millions of dollars. Because <laughs> he was bored. And now that's what he's doing, but it's his worst nightmare. He Doesn't he, I think... Have you been through? Oh, I think we, we spoke about Randy sacking him, or he, is he, he quits, doesn't he? I think. Yeah. Yeah, he quits. Eight piece dark meat combo, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and but he he does attempt to quit his job, I guess, here, in the food rationing business. But Locke 
refuses to permit it. <laughs> I've, that's what I've written here. Locke refuses to permit it. Why does Locke... Does John Locke will do what John Locke does? Yes, we've got some Locke bollocks, haven't we? So... <laughs> so, at this... So, Locke bollocks, yeah. So, Jack is kind of like... He's like... Uh, Locke is kind of taking charge of the shift of the shift, uh, shift patterns in the hatch. Hmm. So, is it a case of everyone has a, has a shift? Like, everyone has to take a, their turn. Hence why... Locke is, um, Locke refuses to allow it because everyone has to muck in, or is he just being a just being a bastard? Because he can it's be probably uh, both. <laughs> it's Locke. Yeah, I still, I still think it's very strange that because um, when Hurley takes uh, Rose into the hatch, eventually they they bump into Jack. I, I just find it very strange that Jack is still allowing this. Um, is it ever stated that he is is on? The Ruta for putting in the numbers. I'm not sure that he is. Judging by I don't know. events, you'd easily believe if he wasn't because of his stance yeah. on the whole thing. But yeah, no, I can't. I actually don't remember. No, I don't either. Very odd. I and mean, it is interesting as well because Jack's character in this episode is a lot more subdued <laughs> than the previous episodes from memory. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. It... No, I was going to say that you're right. Everything's calmed down. Everyone's a bit more relaxed, chilled out. It's all more level-headed. Yeah, I do quite like the idea that like Locks doesn't leave the hatch. Though he, re- it's like he, whether he says it or not, he just refuses to. And you know exactly why because he's like, I'm on a mission from God or whatever. He's waiting for something <laughs> to happen. This, I think that's what it is. He's yeah, he is waiting for something to happen, isn't he? That's all he wants. Um. Where is her? Who else was there? But yeah, you said that Rose comes into it. That's right. So he brings her in and he wants to blow up the pantry <laughs> with the dynamite. <laughs> um, yeah, it's after it's after everyone has well, not everyone. Charlie uh, has has been an arsehole to him, you know, because Charlie has sort of found out um, through. I can't remember how he finds out. I think he finds out through Locke. Yeah, because he's out, he's out in the jungle. He's like. <laughs> supposedly trailing Locke even though Locke knows exactly where he is <laughs> which I thought was I thought was pretty funny um, but Charlie sort of Locke, pieced it together Locke bollocks <laughs> Locke bollocks yeah <laughs> uh, Charlie sort of pieced it together that uh, Hurley's in charge of the foods and he, he just he kind of goes off on him he's like why don't, why don't you give me the peanut butter like he, he basically black, blackmails him he's like you won't give me peanut butter to give to a nursing mother and I'm like Charlie uh, just back off <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, which in turn leads to, as you say, um, Locke or Hurley wanting to, to blow up the pantry just to get get rid of the problem. Um, yeah, because in his mind, uh, you know, it's like it's almost like newfound wealth, isn't it, to the survivors? Just like the money yeah, was to him yeah. in the in the real world, and it'll change everything, and everyone will come to hate him because yeah. that's the way things go for him. Yeah. But Rose being Rose, as lovely as she is, she's like, "Don't do that. Don't be stupid. Don't <laughs> don't be a dick about it." Yeah. Um, Early takes the sort of. Um, well, I mean, I guess it is sort of the, the, the high road in a sense. You know, it's like, why don't we just have one big meal, get everybody, boost morale a bit, yeah. um, instead of instead of me blowing the whole thing up <laughs> just so I just so I don't have to be inconvenienced on this island for too much longer. Yeah, we're going to blow it up, but in everyone's belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. basically. <laughs> Love it. 
Yeah, and that's what he does. He distributes it around all the survivors, and they have a big old mm. feast. Yeah, it's it's the most. Um, I don't think we've had one in a while. You know, the the happy lost ending. Um, you know, where where it's, where it's all slow motion on the beach and everybody's smiling, and there's there's some nice score behind it as well. <laughs> um, yeah, Charlie gives him a hug, doesn't he? He gets a bit of a reconciliation hug. Yeah, he gives him the peanut butter. I wouldn't have given yeah. the peanut butter. No, I'd have been like, no, <laughs> here's away. Marmite. Here's some Marmite. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jar of bees. Hey, are you fucking? <laughs> I say that as someone who really likes Marmite as well, but you know, it's just I know universally, generally, it's despised. So I'm sorry, I'm out of peanut butter. He's giving it to Jack or Locke, but Charlie gets Marmite. <laughs> I already just, I already just held it out to him and then hucked it in the sea. <laughs> it's not worth it. Go, go and swim for it, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, that takes us to the ending, really, of the episode. But obviously, there's a few other things that we will discuss in between. But that is really the crux of Hurley's episode is just just about the food, really, and everything yeah, changing. Again, yeah, again, uh, it's I, f- I feel really bad because you said this is your favorite episode, Scott. But I thought it was a, again a bit of a stretch that Hurley would just go to immediately blow up all the food. <laughs> um, I was like. That's a bit extreme. Um, it's a bit of a GTA uh, answer to something, isn't it? It's like, yeah, we can't get that. Yeah. We can't get the money. We might as well blow everything up. <laughs> Solve this problem with an explosion. Um, <laughs> it, it, I, I just thought it was a, a bit of a stretch. Uh, like it, it, it again, it works as as most of the the thematic stuff does in Lost. Um, but I just thought it was really funny because doesn't he go to the? He goes to the Black Rock to retrieve the dynamite, doesn't he? He goes to the woods. He just has like a speck up the sticks. Yeah, in the he goes woods. in the woods. So I guess he tr- oh, he just right. traced his steps back through the forest where they offloaded the yeah. bags. Maybe I don't know. And as we've said many times on this show, geography doesn't exist in this show. No, so no, no. Just... he's he's just <laughs> he's, he gets there in two minutes flat. Yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> Energize, and they just go. They appear where you need to be. <laughs> it's almost like you know when you play a game and. You have to get to a certain point by walking it the first time, but then after that you can fast travel. That's what this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is everything that happens in Lost from the moment that so they find the hatch. That's fine. That seems to be a long walk, but now they can get there easy breezy. And then yeah. as they start fi- like start finding way down, excuse me, way down the line with all the other camps and stuff. <laughs> all of a sudden they're really hard to get to, but then straight after, oh well, I'll just go back to the beach. <laughs> you're like hey it is very it is very funny like um uh the later seasons of game of thrones did that as well you know they did and again obviously i understand why because whenever you're discovering them you have to you have to sort of drag it out a bit you have to create the tension but once you've once you've found it out you're you don't want three episodes of characters walking to the one location but then um, the the walking dead thoroughly committed to it and it was the worst thing ever you know they committed oh, really? to the Oh yeah, they committed yeah. to like back end of season f- four into five. I want to say, for the most mm-hmm. part, it was just walking. <laughs> oh really? It really was. I mean, the odd episode here and there. The the start of season five was like a big explosive set piece, and it was amazing. And then they went was back to walking the... again. <laughs> was that the the terminus stuff? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Actually, that yeah, that first episode. That was... Yeah. That was when Rick goes full on badass, and he's just like massac- <laughs> massacring humans and zombies. 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 yeah, and it, you can never draw the line with those kind of things though, because you don't want it. But then most people yeah. are like, "Well, how did they get there?" <laughs> so you can't really win, <laughs> yeah. can you? Well, it's one of those things you sort of have to hand wave away. You know, the, your suspension of disbelief. You know, just absolutely just get just get to the thing that we need to to get to to progress the episode. But it is very funny. I mean, like the the often mentioned door to the hatch you know it's like yeah okay fair enough <laughs> not everybody has to has to repel down this this shaft to get no, into you the just, hatch anymore <laughs> you just go around the corner <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so that's the that's that's the a plot i guess the there's a couple of subplots though that are quite good so um mm. just for to keep it i guess a bit consistent um we'll stick with this side of the island so the bottle, the message in a bottles from the raft, which were written by Michael Sawyer, Jin and Walt oh, when yeah. they were traveling, they wash ashore and they are found mm. by Claire and ugh, Shannon. Not much longer, guys, not much longer. Um, <laughs> and they give, they give it to Sun, um, who opts to bury the bottle on the beach and not read it. Mm. Um, so that's just a little, I guess tie in a bit of connective tissue to say that that's still happening and this is you know it's they've found it basically um and then a bit the more interesting one is in the hatch you've got jack and saeed who are sort of carrying out a full inspection of the the concrete barricade that we saw very briefly in the season opener when jack's necklace or his key uh, mm. went all magnetic um, I think Said ends up going a bit more underground, doesn't he, and trying to find other sections of what it is. He does, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. They, they basically end up discovering that it's just very thick, and that it's it's blocked from the foundation level. So whatever's there, you're not supposed to get to. Yeah, and and Said uh, brings up that the only other time that he's heard of something like this, like covered in concrete, was uh, Chernobyl. Chernobyl, which... yeah. It's a good reference point. So obviously, some shit has gone down here. Yeah. So basically, what what are we doing here? <laughs> Why have we done yeah. this? Um, yeah. I must admit, watching that back, I found like like you say, like obviously comparing it to Chernobyl, that's the worst disaster ever, arguably. And you, you, you really you're really building yourself up for something massive, aren't you? Or you'd expect to be. Mm. If you're watching it yeah. for a first time, you think, bloody hell, they better pay this off. <laughs> what, what could be worse than Chernobyl? <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Anyway. I mean, uh, that, that's, that's sort of a good... Um, I wonder if that maybe helped um, convince Jack as to the purpose of the button. Uh, you know, that, that something yeah, bad has happened. Maybe... What, it's good in a way from a writing perspective because it just adds more um, uncertainty to it. Already, you think the well, the absurdity of putting in numbers every hundred and eight minutes. I mean, that in itself is just daft, isn't it? And then it's even dafter when you don't really know the reason why. All you know is apparently the world's going to end, but what does that mean? So already, there's all these mysteries that we know from the show, but then just adding in the fact that there's a potential cataclysmic, you know, disaster <laughs> waiting, but you don't actually know if it'll do it or not. 
it's mm. just it's it's balancing plates in the air and it's fantastic when you think when you really put it into perspective yep and then um, Jack bumps into Kate in the show I was going to say that's the last little bit hey. there's a hey. <laughs> hello there there's a bit of a yeah bit of a moment of sexual tension where she's uh, she's only wearing a dowel and she exits the shower I think he gives her a little grin or if I remember he has a little hi there how you doing? <laughs> Bit of a Joey moment. He does. He does. He does. But uh, I was just thinking about that. It's like after, what is it, 40, 45 odd days on the island, it's like, I, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like a shower, to be honest. <laughs> they must, must have be really nice. the most amazing thing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. They must be absolutely stinking. But, um, like, you know, like when you get off a flight, a long flight, and you're just, you, you need a shower or something? Imagine 45 days. The the only equivalent I've got is like six days at a festival. Oh yeah, okay, that's probably pretty bad too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get to the point where you could get to the point where you don't even know your smell, and then you know yeah. like, you get like your mum or your dad picks you up, and then they open the window and they're trying to be nice to you, and you're like, "Are you all right, mum?" And she's like, "You fucking stink." <laughs> and you go, "Oh really? Shit, sorry." <laughs> also, we got to think is. Didn't they have like a they have like a waterfall on the island? So I know it's not the same as like yeah. a hot shower with like a, you know like a lovely radox, but it's <laughs> it's clean water, is it not? So it's fresh. It's arguably you know it's fresher than a shower in a way. And if they raided like the uh, the on flight sort of shop, there might have been some like you know oh we've got this special offer on these shampoos and these uh, you know. <laughs> Well, some of those on board as well, you know, they're like knives and forks and stuff and other bits. So, L'Oreal and Lo- yeah. Head and Shoulders, <laughs> lovely bottle of Pantene mm-hmm. there in the uh, on, on the on board. What shop. was that advert where he's like, "I've got the urge"? <laughs> that one, <laughs> that shampoo, whatever that was. I've got the urge. I'll have to find that. <laughs> She's got the urge. I can remember it. She was like in a courtroom, and then some. No, yeah, he was no, in a courtroom, and some. Woman bursting, going, I've got the urge, and you know, all yeah, slow motion. Uh, yeah, I can't I even can't remember, remember what that's called. <laughs> no, it just immediately came to mind. It was terrible, but it, it for some reason it stuck with me. It's a <laughs> shite advert, anyway. <laughs> um, so that was one subplot. Um, so we know that there's the hatch, I guess, has sinister means to it. Even though we've looked, even though I guess with the orientation episode, um, you got a bit of an explanation as to what was going on, but more questions, and now you've definitely got more questions. Um, so the only other subplot is on the other side of the island. We're with the Tailies, and we've got Sawyer, Michael, and Jin, um, who learn this fact. They learn that the that the people who've captured them are actually the survivors from the uh, tail end of eight one five. And they're taken to another Dharma station, which they are using as sanctuary. Um, and a woman, a lady named Libby, who we know to be fairly pivotal, I guess, going forward, um, explains that there was, I think, 23 survivors initially, but very few of them remain now. Yes. She doesn't explain why, but it's very sinister the way she says it. Yeah. There's a nice, um, uh, through this storyline, there's a nice little build-up for what it's be. Obviously, we um, we see like uh, Jin, Sawyer, and Michael um, 
not reconcile, but they they come to an agreement with the Tadies that they're not enemies and they don't mean right. don't mean each other harm. Um, but through their walk to the facility, to the bunker, whatever you want to call it, um, there's a nice few moments between Soy and Anna Lucia, where Anna Lucia is quite clearly a police person. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it's quite evident that she's dealt with people like Soy before. She handles them quite well, both verbally and physically, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, I'm not sure if Soy gets that, has got that whiff of her, uh, whiff from her, you know, that she's law enforcement or used to be law enforcement, but I thought it was just nice. That we learn that before we see her backstory, it's, it's quite, um, it's very evident that she's she knows how to handle herself, mm. which was pretty cool. I'm noticing something about Sawyer over these episodes is that he's not a very good con man. <laughs> as we <laughs> as we're kind of going along in it, he, he can't read people the way he seems to think he can read people. Well, I think I think what they're trying to do is that they're trying to make it. They're trying to obviously. Um, introduce us to these new characters but with Anna Lucia they're giving us like a a proper foil to Sawyer so yeah. he like he like he is he can be sort of um he can be fooled himself he can be tricked himself he's not always in control uh I think mm. and I think showing a character that can get the better of him just makes him more um sympathetic in a way yeah because he's had a bit of a rough time the last sort of two or three episodes where you know he, he tried to save Walt and he couldn't and him and Michael had that big argument on the on the raft, and that was a bit of a lead balloon moment. But I think it's all just trying to make Soy a bit more likable as a character. Yeah, I agree. Um, my other takeaway from the sanctuary is that it's the first appearance from uh, Cindy, the flight attendant, again since we last saw her in the yeah, pilot yeah. episode. Oh yes, she's of course. she's part of the tailies. Um, and she does pop up, I think, throughout the show as it goes along from memory. Yeah, she does. She does. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's in a couple of episodes after this one, and then I think she disappears for a while for she reasons does. that we'll not get into. But yes, she um, does. That's right. And then she she reappears later on. That's correct. As far as I'm aware. Yes. Uh, but yeah, they, yeah. They, they take them to uh, what I believe is the Arrow Station. Uh, bear with me. I, I did write it. I did write it down. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and, and they find um, they find Cindy, the the flight attendant, and they also find who is revealed to be um, Bernard, 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 Bernard. However you say it, Bernard. Um, so I think that's how the episode ends. Uh, that's right, Bernard. So it's again we we have that nice uh, montage on the beach, you know, and and we see we see Rose again and. We're reminded because we haven't seen her in a couple of episodes that her husband's called Bernard, just so we don't forget <laughs> by the end of the episode. And, uh, <laughs> and that's how the episode ends. It's a really, it's a really sweet ending because obviously they, they have this in every episode that she's appeared in. You know, she's she's convinced that he's still alive, and to find out that he is is a is a bit of a rug pull because obviously, I, maybe you, if you didn't know if we, if this was your first watch you would you would just be thinking well she's she's just in denial so to have it be confirmed is, is quite nice yeah. yeah she's the woman of faith on the island there's, <laughs> yes. there's a nice moment where I think it's literally a closing shot where Rose pockets the Apollo chocolate bar as as mm-hmm. if to say yeah. she knows you know like she it's not, it is weird it's, it is almost like she I don't know if it's ever been commented if Rose has has been um uh, uh, rumored to have any kind of 
foresight or abilities similar to Walt because she's all the way through she's absolutely she's been absolutely adamant that Bernard's alive and then the fact that she's put the chocolate bar in her pocket kind of to the audience to me it just kind of confirms that she knows that they found him in a, in a, in some kind of weird yeah. way I don't know um, I don't think it's ever highlighted um, properly but I mean you, you know as an audience member I guess you can make of it what you will I guess in a yeah. way but sh- and, and I'm jumping way ahead here but um, how those characters end um, yeah as far as I remember it's like it's like the, the island's mom and dad, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's... Like, I, I, I could absolutely see how you could infer that maybe they're sort of... Uh, what would be the word? I was going to be like... I was gonna, just going to go Star Wars. They're like, they're like force-connected. <laughs> that sort of thing. In a weird way, yeah. I, I that's what kind of what I was trying to go for. That that mystical kind of uh, aspect of the island, but between two yeah. particular people... Um, like destiny coming into it as well, like yeah, it's like all the things that people are a bit skeptical about. Rose is pretty much certain on, you know, like dead on. Mm-hmm. And I think later on we do. I think it is in this season where they reunite because when yeah. that's happening, mm-hmm. um, Rose is resigned to their fate, and she said, "No, you know, I, we are jumping ahead here, but she wants to stay basically." And we'll obviously t- speak about that episode, but she is very much like, "No, nope, this is our life." So she kind of believes yeah. in the fate as much as Locke almost, but not as cuntish. <laughs> <laughs> not not at the detriment to everyone else, basically. She just kind of does her own yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get everyone killed. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that is Everybody Hates Hugo. So I've got a bit of trivia, or production notes anyway. There's quite a few, actually, for this one. So... Um, <clears throat> as Scott mentioned at the start, it's Alan Taylor who directed it, and it's the only one he did for Lost, um, oh. which surprised me actually. I could have sworn he did more when you mentioned his name, but anyway. Yeah. Um, the character of Libby uh, is obviously first introduced in this episode and originally was written to be a woman in her late 40s and or early 50s. And apparently Jennifer Jason Lee was approached to play the part. Mm. Um, but it went to Cynthia Waitrose instead. Uh, I can't imagine Jennifer Jason Lee in Lost. It's, about, it's quite a mm. bizarre, bizarre one, but anyway. Um, uh, this is also Bernard's first episode. Uh, well, physical form anyway. <laughs> it's obviously been mentioned a lot. Um, and the producers thought it would... Um, surprise the audience to make him white basically you know the expectation would be that you'd expect his husband to be black um and they made him white to surprise the audience um and apparently they expected that the audience would assume mr echo was bernard because of that because he's the only black man in the tail section he's not 20 years younger than rose for fuck's sake (laughs) (laughs) well this is what i was thinking but Apparently that was the assumption that the producers and writers thought the audience would make. Um, <laughs> it, so... <laughs> it would be really weird if like wrote this really sweet, caring, very <laughs> lovingly natured woman who like knits and cleans clothes for everyone, right? And then there's this big hulking dude with a giant fucking <laughs> stick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Bernard. <laughs> I love Hello chocolate. There. <laughs> 
He's got a. He's I got. Can break, I can break you in two with my pinky finger. <laughs> he's like, you got a packet of chew it's then mine, you know. <laughs> oh dear me! Seriously, that is the trip. That is the production notes. It's ridiculous. Um, Rose or the actress playing Rose, L. Scott Caldwell, was unaware of these plans, and uh, also was picturing her own husband, who is black in real life, who and also tall. Funnily enough, when playing the scenes, so maybe she did have Mr. Echo in mind. I don't know. As an actress, I don't. I don't know. Triple A might have been in there, but you know, but obviously it wasn't meant to be. Um, and so the guy who played the shop clerk in the flashbacks, uh, he's called Raj K. Bozy. It's the first time he's been credited, and he is, or he was, a background actor on the series. So he, he's played a crash survivor and he's played a flight attendant, and he was originally cast to play. I can't remember discussing this bit in Born to Run. There was a, a character called Sanjay, um, and he was due to play that character as well, but he had to give it up due to scheduling conflicts. But yeah, he might be one of our actors that plays more than one part in this show. So he's at he's at three already. <laughs> it's Born <laughs> By to this Run point in the series. Born to Run was the Kate episode, wasn't it? Was that That's the one? right. Yeah. Okay. So when she, yeah, when her when her man gets. Yeah, the, the fate. Okay, the fate, yeah. But yeah, Mr. Raj K. Bozy has played three roles, and it's only sees episode four of season two. So, <laughs> so he's di- he's died in the crash. He's all- wait simultaneously in the crash. He's also a flight attendant. I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. How does this work though with TV shows, especially because? I don't know. They must have the, the casting director must have loads of people on their books, like just waiting for the phone call. We need someone to come in to to do a background role, or just to, to, oh no, we have to get Raj back. Why? Oh, okay, Raj, <laughs> it was just that good as the as the you know the the the, the crash victim. We got to get him back yeah. for this role. It just seems a bit odd to do that. I'm pretty sure, and I mean John might be able to help me on this, but in Supernatural, I'm pretty sure there's been a bunch of or a handful of actors that you know. Were like a monster of the week kind of deal in the early days, and then they've come back to be like semi-recurring, you know, <laughs> characters. And yeah. and and, uh, the, no, and no. yeah, there, there's one actress in particular. I can't remember her name now off the top of my head. I know who you're thinking of. Edit yeah, three times um, as three <laughs> separate characters. But like uh, that show's been going for 15 years, so each appearance has been like five years apart. Yeah. Um, but I actually. Uh, just a, a funny wee story. There's a there's a friend of mine who did extras work for Game of Thrones. Oh right. Because because oh, it shoots in Ireland. Here. Yeah, it's shot in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, films up in Belfast, and he was in. Um, I think it's like one of the last episodes of season six. It's the one where the where Cersei blows up uh, the church. Oh the yeah right. um, yeah I know which so one you mean. The, so he he was in the crowd uh, getting uh, that were getting blown up. <laughs> and then later, later in the same episode, he is in uh, like, uh, oh, I, I can't remember any characters' names. John Snow's like John Snow's court. It's really funny because I know him. I recognize him. It's like he's in, <laughs> unless he has a twin. He has a twin, but um, he, he's in both. He's in the same episode as two different characters, different characters which I thought was quite funny. Fucking that's lazy. fantastic. <laughs> and on a show like Game of Thrones, I mean, that's a million dollar, well, multi-million <laughs> yeah. dollar per episode show. 
<laughs> or it was it's anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's good that. I'm just going to have a look who this um, actor is because in so, sorry in Supernatural because it's mm. got it's got me thinking too. Yeah, uh, she's an actress that's been in, in like loads of TV because um, because all the um, like the science fiction shows send the shit in uh, Vancouver. So that's right. if you live in Vancouver, you'll be in everything. I think she was in like Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> uh, like Smallville, all those shows that that sort of shit in the same. Uh, the same city yeah i'm just going but to maybe maybe hawaii isn't that um flush with extras <laughs> no maybe not i mean there's an entire thing on imdb called this <laughs> actors and actresses used more than once in supernatural <laughs> has, has a list uh keegan connor tracy i think is who keegan we're connor after tracy. okay she was in oh wait no she was in season two and season four there's like going on 50 actors though that have been in it more than once <laughs> that's ridiculous for the flashback scene at the gas station apparently the the crew rented out a 7-eleven um for a day uh so when hurley's driving in apparently the van was actually being pushed instead of driven in so it would eliminate any sound from the vehicle <laughs> and, but every time that they pushed it it would stall or the timing would be off. <laughs> so they had to keep repeat shooting that that thing. And then once they'd solved the issue of the timing, it started to rain. <laughs> and they wanted it to be without rain, so they had to wait. It seems like a lot of hard work just to get one shot. I mean, just have him pull up, in, have an internal shot in the van. He's driving up. Put the handbrake on and have just have him... St- Stationary. Why? Why does it have to be shot rolling in from like an external shot? It seems a lot of no faff. Idea. It is a lot of faff. <laughs> um, and then my final one was that uh, Hurley's dream scene uh, was shot in. It's called the Hawaii Film Studio, which is which housed the set for the Hatch. So that was um, on the island of Oahu, I believe. But it was uh, the 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 home base for quite a few sets or internal sets anyway mm. on the show. Is there any notes at all? I guess there isn't. But reasons or theories as to why Jin was the person that appeared in that dream. Uh, Something I did think about. I guess, but... Yeah, I guess it was just like you would instantly know it was a dream because he's speaking English. I guess. Oh yeah, true. And he says everything's yeah. going to change. I.e. How I talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going with that as well. I don't. I don't. I mean, the, I guess the the man in the chicken suit gives it away as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's unlikely anybody had that in their luggage when they crashed on the island. <laughs> hey, what's this? <laughs> well, you know, you never know. You never know. There's like an elusive like member of the plane just running around in a chicken suit. <laughs> oh my god, it's like the guy in Toy Story 2. <laughs> I forgot his name. Oh, imagine if, Big imagine if it was Ethan. Ethan was around a chicken suit and stealing people away from the island. <laughs> he's, not, he's not dead. <laughs> he's in a chicken suit. <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be a good cover because nobody would believe you. <laughs> Guys, I've just seen a man in a chicken suit in the jungle. Oh, really? He's on the smack again. Lock, Locke's putting that bloody paste in the back of people's heads again. 
<laughs> even even Smokey's confused by the chicken man in the chicken suit. <laughs> anyway, that is the episode for this week, guys. So that was Everybody Hates Hugo, episode four of season two. As always, thank you very much. Um, thank you. It's been a good one. And next week we have, well, it's called And Found, um, which is episode five. Um, this is a G- Sun and Jin flashback. So no. I look forward to that. Some more tears of happiness, I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't quite remember this one. I might have to do another rewatch of that. I think this is the one where. Is this the one where we see Jin at work for the. Yes. Yeah, and yes. it all cut. Yes, yeah, it is. and we have the yeah. affair. And I yes. think after that is we get do we get the the Tadies flashbacks? We we are a couple of episodes away from that. That's the other forty eight yeah. days. Yeah. So before yeah. we get to that, unfortunately, um, well, you go talk. <laughs> I was just going to say before then we have another episode. Before then, we do. We've it's got featuring our our favorite character. No, oh, God, I just remember which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> just always remember what your mum told you it has to get worse before it gets better so <laughs> yeah the dark I mean, is, the night is dark is just uh, before the dawn <laughs> where have I heard that Harvey Dent dark night <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there we go guys so I will see you next week thank you everybody for listening as always most appreciated thank you thank you very thank much you. bye stop